Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Midwest Hemp Council Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier. We certainly do appreciate you tuning in and checking it out. For the next month or so, we'll just be doing the podcast on a monthly basis, and we will pick it back up to weekly or bi-monthly coming up in the fall. We'll certainly let you know. Stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, got a lot going on here that we want to talk about. We're going to talk with Robert Davis, who is the co-founder of Planet-Based Foods, and we're going to find out what that's all about and how that relates to the hip industry shortly. But first, we're going to speak with Jamie Campbell-Petty. Jamie is the executive director of the Midwest Hemp Council. Jamie, it's been a while. How you doing? I know, Jason. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic, Jamie, and always great to have you here. So let's get to it. We've got a lot of events coming up here that we want to talk about, and that's why we bring you on here, of course. But uh, the first one, uh, I'll, I'll let you introduce it. Coming up here August 30th. It is, Jason, and it is the Fiber Forum and Field Day. It's going to be out here in Monrovia, mm-hmm. near my house. I'm excited. We have a great um, field out here of fiber varietal trials growing that we're going to highlight. Purdue is going to be participating. We will have discussions on the hemp agronomy, on cover crop, rotation crop. But what's really exciting and new to us here in the state is we will have Bish Enterprises from Nebraska Mm -hmm. and Formation Ag out of Colorado. They're going to have their equipment here on site. They will be harvesting the hemp using uh, the Bish cutter. And then we will be running the decorticator to explain and show how a decorticator works and why it's so important. Well, that's awesome that we're actually able to get together and and touch and feel and smell and, you know, get together and talk eye to eye, all that sort of stuff. That's great. It is wonderful. And to have these guys come in in town is going to be invaluable. We're going to also have end users here to talk and show their products. We've got Hempwood coming out of Kentucky. We've got the U.S. Hemp Building Association that's going to be represented by some of our team members, including Rachel Berry of the Illinois Hemp Growers. Mm -hmm. So we'll learn about hempcrete. We'll learn about some composite automobile parts being used. Um, animal feed. So a lot of things. We're going to have a morning session and an afternoon session, but both sessions will come together over the lunch hour so that we have some presentations from the Department of Ag, from um, Corbett and Andrew talking about economy. We've got some different people coming from different organizations around the country who want to participate and be here. So that registration will open next week on our website. Mm -hmm. Please watch for details. And again, it's August 30th. And is there a fee for that? Yes, it will be $50 for Mm non-members and it will be $25 for members. That will include a sack lunch. And it will include, um, we'll have, make sure we have beverages and, you know, comfort stations as well as the educational stations and um, booth space for everyone. Sounds like a fun day. It's, I'm really, we're really excited. Um, And the next, um, really the next thing up will be the Purdue. They're going to be doing a field day Mm -hmm. up at Purdue on September 16th. That'll Ah. be um, headed up by Marguerite Bolt and her team. Uh, We'll keep you posted on that. Um, September 25th, I don't have details, but everyone check out Farm Aid 
they haven't announced the location yet, but I can tell you the hemp industry as a whole is working hard to ensure that hemp is represented there and that we support Farm Aid's efforts as well. You mean Farm Aid like the concert? Exactly. Oh, that, exactly. Where, where, where's the, you, you, do we know where that's going to be? They have not announced. They've okay. only announced the day. We're we're all sitting here holding our breath, wondering <laughs> where they're gonna where they're gonna be. So waiting to get tickets, excited. aren't you, Jamie? I totally. I would love to go. <laughs> there we um, go. And then, Jason, the next thing is um, something I'm I personally am very excited about, and I know that you've helped us with in the past, and that is the annual National FFA convention. Mm-hmm. This year, it's the 94th year, and it's, again, here in Indianapolis. And as you know, um, in the past, when we were Indiana, we were INHIA, Indiana Hemp Industries Association. And then once we transitioned to Midwest Hemp Council, we've always participated. Um, You know, these are our farmers of the future. These are our leaders of the future. So Mm -hmm. it's important, you know, to participate and to collaborate with them. Oh, absolutely. This yeah, well, this year we're going to elevate that game, and we're happy to announce that New Holland is going to sponsor the hemp industry as a whole, primarily through the National Hemp Association and their Standing Committee of Hemp Organizations, of which I and Midwest Hemp Council are a part. Um, they are going to sponsor a booth. So instead of in the back corner in the cheap seats, we're going to be right up front with New Holland. We'll be working with Purdue University and other entities, U.S. Hemp Building Association, the Hemp Feed Coalition, others to bring education to the floor of FFA in a big way this year. And collaborate. the best part is we're collaborating with all of these organizations nationally, hemp organizations, uh, to come together and to also highlight the FFA students who are excelling in hemp already. So as nice. you can tell, I'm, I'm very excited about this opportunity. Um, everyone can go to the FFA website to check out um, what information is there now. It's very preliminary, but the dates are October 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th, and that's at the Indianapolis Convention Center. Well, Jamie, as you well know, where you and I both went to high school, if you weren't part of the FFA, you weren't part of the cool crowd. <laughs> exactly. So, so we, exactly. we can certainly relate to FFA. Yeah, and, and I'm just excited. The city turns into a sea of blue jackets, and it's just a really fun experience. And then to meet these kids who are, you know, not just out in the field, but in many areas, whether it's legislation, legislation mm-hmm. or regulation, these kids, these young, these intelligent kids are taking the lead. So very excited to be able to be there for him. Absolutely. And then, of course, we uh, we end our season. I think this is the end of the season with the hip at the crossroads coming up in December. Yeah, Jason, um, the, the next and last thing on our calendar really for the year right now is our own Hemp at the Crossroads, which will be here in Plainfield at the Embassy Suites um, Conference Center. Mm-hmm. We had to miss last year, of course. So coming back strong, um, we're really grateful that Bose Public Affairs, Indiana Farm Bureau, and several others. Oh, today, Adams Testing, our member Adams Testing, have all stepped up as sponsors, but we're is still in need. We still have some great sponsor slots that are going to mean that they get to meet with you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and, and get a booth and get speaking. It's just, it's going to be so fun, but we really do um, need those sponsors. Registration's open. 
We only have about 45 days left of early bird registration. So if you know you're coming, get on there and get that discounted price. And people can get more information on, on the, didn't mean to cut you off, on the website for that. But man, the Hemp at the Crossroads, a great event. Hopefully people can get out there and check that out. Yes, I know. I agree. So stay tuned. Um, we do have the agenda updated on our website, but we will be producing uh, more and more detail over the next month or so until we have all of our panels locked in um, for discussion groups. We'll have breakout sessions. So stay tuned. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jamie, you've given us a lot today. We certainly do appreciate anything else we need to add. I think that's it, Jason, but thank you so much. And we will talk with you on the 19th of August. So we we will all be back together again on the podcast then. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jamie, thanks. And we'll look forward to it. All right, Jason. Thank you. All right, next we turn our attention to Robert Davis. Robert is the co-founder of Planet-Based Foods. We're going to find out what that's all about and how it relates to the hip industry. Robert, how you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Jason. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And uh, tell us exactly where you are based uh, at the moment, Robert. We have a production facility in Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm located in Taos, New Mexico. Okay. And uh, our corporate office is in San Diego, California. Okay, so and that's why I asked you to, to, to you know let us know where you were because I know that it's spread out there. Um, so as a lot of things have been after COVID, everybody kind of uh, uh, sticking to their spots there. But tell us how uh, Planet Based Foods was founded. You're the co-founder. Who did you found that with? And give us a little bit of history there, and then we'll uh, we'll get into some other things as well. Certainly. Well, it's uh, an outgrowth of a company I started uh, 11 years ago called the Hemp Food Company. Mm-hmm when I was living in Washington state. And so that process uh, uh, really evolved over time uh, until probably 2017, 18, where uh, finally hemp became something that was uh, acknowledged, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the industry side, as something that was, uh, was viable. But I had developed uh, the hemp burger and hemp analog products uh, over 10, 11 years ago. And it's been a long, long, interesting journey with uh, many different facets of uh, business experience along the way. But 2017-18 period of time, I uh, joined kind of forces with my son, Braylon Davis, who is uh, one of the leading entrepreneurs in reference to the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, RX is a company he has worked with and spearheaded from a marketing perspective. So he's had uh, a lot of experience in seeing the growth side of the cannabis industry. And I have kind of uh, been evolving with uh, the whole side of the industrial hemp uh, issue for quite a few years. And I came to that conclusion um, basically, uh, again, 11, 12 years ago, I was R&D director for a company called Living Harvest, developed the first hemp milk basically at that level, the first hemp ice cream. Before that, in 93, I worked with Richard Rose and I developed the uh, uh, hemp cheese. So that's basically my background on a lot of the Uh, hemp side of things, but I have a soy background having started a tofu company in 1979. So I moved from soy as being the solution product 
the hemp being the solution product mm-hmm. uh, 11, 12 years ago. And I firmly believe it is a solution product based on climate change and so forth. But it's been it's been a, uh, a fascinating journey to move the hemp food company uh, over the years to the point of now plant-based foods with uh, all the aha moments of people recognizing hemp as truly a viable mana. And I use the term mana in this regard for really a product and product line that uh, provides opportunity for present future as far as the uh, evolution of plant proteins. All right. Now, now, Robert, there's so much there that we have to go back and unpack. And I really appreciate you laying that out for me because it makes it easy for me to go back in that timeline and pull some of those items out. But uh, I'm going to go to the end of the timeline here. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about, you mentioned hemp replacing soy, the soybeans. Now, of course, in Indiana and in the Midwest, we've got a lot of soybean farmers out there. So is it uh, so so you think that that hemp uh, will replace the soybeans or 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 partner up with them? How do you think that where do you see that going? I'm just pulling that out of your statement there. Basically, I if you look at the climate change and the viability of hemp being able to grow in a varied climate, much more so than than the soybean crops. It gives us an opportunity to really reclaim protein from the plant in uh, hotter areas of the world. Mm -hmm. So as the climate increases, I think uh, it's going to become more and more evident as a protein system, uh, as well as all all of its other uh, elements as a viable plant into the future, but particularly for feeding people. yeah, I grew up in the Midwest. I again started again a tofu company in 1979, so I'm very familiar with with soybeans and you know kind of getting away from. There's so much in the in the GMO side of soybeans, and and there are a few uh, you know opportunities still for organic soybeans, and I think those are used by conscionable producers of tofu and other products. Mm-hmm. But uh, it to me it's something that has much more of a ubiquitous application for climate change and protein availability going forward than soy. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, let's step back a ways here. You said 11, 12 years ago you, you got into the hemp business or you, you were interested in hemp. Now, this was way before a lot of people had even paid any attention to it. So what brought you into that market? Why did you get into that? What, would that have been around 2008, 2009, something like that? That's correct. Based on That's your 11 correct. years ago. So tell us a little bit about that. What, 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 what attracted you to that aspect? Again, we understand the attraction to hemp, of course, anybody listening sure. to this is attracted to it but we've all kind of come along here lately uh, a few of you had had were there early on so that's why i like to talk to folks like you so tell us what got you interested early on when it wasn't the cool thing or wasn't a viable product for a farm uh, what brought you into that realm well again i i go back to i think 93 is when i developed temporella for uh, for sharon's finest so that was kind of my first uh, entree and then to understanding the viability of hemp and having tracked it, uh, uh, you know, over the years after that point, uh, I was uh, I was asked to be research director for Living Harvest in 2009, which was uh, at that point probably still still is or has been. But it's been purchased and it's no longer the same company. But Mm -hmm. uh, at that at that stage, it was a very exciting uh, uh, evolution in bringing a hemp food company to the market. 
and uh, I was I was excited because I had a lot of experience in alternative ice creams and and milk production. So uh, I started to then really understand the viability of hemp. You know, at that time everything was primarily sourced ingredient wise from Canada mm-hmm. as far as our, our hemp supply, mm-hmm. and um, it just became logical. I've got a master's degree in let's call it planetary evolution and planetary systems. So um, I studied cause and effect elements of, uh, you know, where we are, how we got here, and how we can get out of where we are. Mm-hmm. So uh, hemp has uh, then become, you know, in my mind's eye, one of, the, one of the pathways into the future for really being able to supply food to people that uh, is really one of the most balanced and ecologically sustainable systems that we have available. And all this started back in the uh, the groovy 70s with your tofu company. It did. It did. Because, uh, again, tofu was at that point being used primarily as cattle feed and or for oil production. And uh, a friend of mine, Bill Shirtlift, that wrote the book of tofu, the book of miso, the book of tempeh, the book of kudzu, you know, every every imaginable uh, concept of working with soy in certain certain plant based systems, um, he really pointed the way to you know how can we really feed people? And soy was kind of being neglected at that point, except in in a lot of Eastern diets. That uh, particularly in the West, it was again relegated as uh, as a very inefficient cattle feed, which we know now looking at. Uh, Almost the disastrous effect of uh, of mass, uh, you know, cattle uh, consumption or, or uh, meat consumption on behalf of the cattle industry and what it's done to the environment. But it's you know, uh, humans are not the smartest uh, entities in the universe, so it takes some time to uh, to uh, basically ride it through and offer opportunities and insights. But yeah, I did start in '79 with. Uh, the company Light Foods. I developed the first tofu hot dog in 1980, and um, went on developing analogs at that point uh, uh, with uh, with soy as the primary ingredient. Up until I realized uh, that it's uh, it's really not going to take us into the future, and mm-hmm. that spawned my interest in uh, in hemp. Well, speaking of not the most intelligent people on earth, uh, Robert, would it surprise you if I told you I don't recall or don't think I've ever had tofu? I could not tell you what tofu is. When I think of tofu, I think of like the <laughs> 70s show and, you know, Red Farmer and his wife and the neighbors sitting around with a fondue machine or something. That's not sure. tofu. But 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 uh, so uh, honestly, this is an honest question. What is tofu and, and why would I eat a tofu hot dog? Well, basically, tofu is, is kind of an alternative to cheese uh, using, uh, using soy milk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a curded process. It goes through uh, a process of extraction from the soybean and water uh, into a soy milk. And then you use a coagulant, whether it's magnesium chloride, calcium chloride, or, uh, you know, uh, actually seawater has been used in the past when once upon a time when the oceans were actually clean. <laughs> but all of those things, uh, you know, provide you with something that's kind of analogous, analogous to a cheese that's pressed into a block. Okay. And it's truly a food of thousands of uses. Uh, again, you can make uh, uh, puddings from it. You can make pies from it. You can uh, make barbecue. I would. Uh, that was my most mm. successful marketing tool in supermarkets in the Midwest. I would... Uh, do a light deep fry in, in uh, with tofu pieces, 
and put barbecue sauce on them, mm-hmm. and uh, people would love it. It was like ribs, uh, like a McRib, basically. Hmm. Uh, it's just versatility, and its protein is very, very high, mm-hmm. and it blends well because I think one of its amino acids is complemented by rice. So tofu and rice provides a complete protein system. Um, and it's just uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful food that you mm-hmm. you uh, you learn to understand once you start using it and uh, and so forth. But yeah, there's I'm sure a lot of people such as yourself that's that's never never tried it. And um, I've, I've led a sheltered life, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's okay. There's a lot of things that you know uh, many people have not tried. I guarantee it. But but well, but, but tofu's a, yeah, it's it's an opportunity food for people that mm-hmm. are looking to move away from a meat centric diet mm-hmm. and uh, kind of complement their their diet with a protein, a plant protein that is very very efficient. And, and, and we'll get off the 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 uh, we'll get off that here in a second. But but is it uh, did, did was it something that did it catch on in the United States the way you'd hope, or did it not really catch on? And if not, yes. did it catch on uh, better in other countries or what tofu? Well, yes. you no, know, it's 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 caught on extensively in this country from where I started back in the back in the seventies. Most certainly, it's evolved, mm-hmm. and there's been pushbacks over the years with different. Uh, I'd say uh, curves uh, in the marketplace based on uh, looking at processed soy, which, you know, based based on hexane extraction and so forth and so on and processed soy. And uh, there, there's been a lot of issues, uh, hormonal issues uh, that people have thought they would want to attribute to soy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tofu in its native state uh, is a very innocent food. Uh, miso uh, example is one of the most potent and most efficient foods on the planet, uh, and it's it's primarily made from soy, but it can made be made from azuki bean or many other many other uh, legumes as well. Uh, so it has caught on. Uh, there's major companies in the United States now making it. When I started, it was a group of uh, of uh, former reincarnated uh, tofu makers that Bill Shirtliff was able to bring together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we started tofu companies all over the United States. Richard Rose had one in California. Steve Demos that started Silk. Uh, the major company there was White Wave, started in Boulder. Uh, I, I started uh, uh, basically in uh, St. Louis. And my cousin started in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, with a company mm-hmm. called Blue, um, uh, Simply Soy, Simply Soy, mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in 1978. So there was a lot of a lot of interest in basically doing something creatively with your hands uh, and creating uh, really something that was alchemical for a lot of us. We would start with one form of food, transform it through the process of uh, adding coagulants into another food form that had a multitude of, uh, of applications. Uh, so it, it has evolved. It's, mm-hmm. it's in every major health food store. It's in every major supermarket. And that wasn't the case when I started in the 70s. And, of course, uh, we're, we're hoping that uh, hemp will go that route as, as well. And, and, and speaking of, of the, the food-based products with hemp, you guys came out with the first hemp ice cream. So uh, we'll go into that. That, uh, that. that had to be fun to experiment, do all the taste tests and things like that. Did it take you a little while to uh, come up with that ice cream, all the testing you probably had to do? 
Well, no, not really, because I had developed two or three other major ice. I developed Soy Dream Ice Cream for Imagine Foods, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a precedent to uh, to working with uh, with hemp, as I had mentioned. I had an ice cream company called Believe Incorporated in uh, Whidbey Island, Washington, back in the uh, early 90s and late 80s. And uh, it just developed uh, a lot of understanding around ice cream development had also developed uh, a, a good karma foods, ice cream, rice divine, and uh, so forth and so on. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of a practice veteran at working with non-dairy ice creams and basically using the hemp hemp protein in a certain way to facilitate that product. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't that difficult to develop. It was more or less always a challenge to get the right the right flavors to go uh, with that uh, with that base. And so I think we were very successful. I think it was on the market for, I don't know, six or seven years, and then the company was sold, and they decided to discontinue that particular line. So uh, the Tempt line is still out there, although the milk has been combined with coconut milk now for primarily flavor and cost efficiencies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where, where do you see your business going with, with hemp now that it, with, with the farm bills, everything, it, it's rolling along, not where it was uh, 11, 12 years ago when you were entering the field. Uh, but now that we've had this growth and this maturity, where do you see it going and where do you see your company going with it? Well, we're kind of, I, I believe, at, at the leading edge of this particular uh, evolving market. And we're uh, kind of focused on analogs at the present time, burgers and sausages and uh, so forth and so on, kind of playing the game. But our matrix is a little different. You know, we're not trying to be another burger. I did bleeding burgers for a company I had called <laughs> e- Ecotrition, Ecotrition Foods uh-huh. back in the, in the 90s. When that, that was when we first were looking at meat analogs to replace meat products. We're no longer looking to replace meat products specifically with our company's products. Our products are the next generation. When people have gone, gone, I want a veggie burger. I don't want it to look and taste like meat. I want something that's unique Mm -hmm. unto its own. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's basically our market niche. And we say our product is guaranteed not to bleed. (laughs) <laughs> well, again, I could see the point of somebody that does not want meat. They don't want to eat. I mean, if, if, if I don't want an apple, I don't want to eat something that tastes and looks like an apple. Exactly. 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 Although there, there is a market that we're always, you know, there's a transition phase in diets. There's someone that said, you know, I do want something. I don't want to eat, you know, McDonald's burger mm-hmm. um, and so forth and so on. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really want something that kind of tastes like that. Well, ours kind of tastes like not necessarily a burger. It just tastes good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it tastes good. You put it on a bun, and we've got, you know, three different burgers we're now uh, evolving our, our company with, a couple of sausages, and then we've got an abundance of secondary products we're, we're working on as well. Uh, so, you know, we're going after convenience mm-hmm. with, this, with this particular product line and uh, just making it accessible to people. And for our, our interest in this is really feeding people. That's, that's where we're at on the planet. You know, you can talk about making millions of dollars, and you can talk about doing this. We're in a critical phase. We're into a sixth mass extinction event on this planet. 
And I don't know how many people are actually aware of that based, based on how much reading they do outside of a normal television channel. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot going well, on. Well, there's here. Facebook. I mean, that's you, you know, don't discount Facebook. That's that's a, that to throw that in the prime mix. source. But, yeah, so we're we're also looking at you know how do we address these major changes? So for every two burgers we make, we give one away. So it's a mm-hmm. two for one program. Mm-hmm. So we feed people. Our goal is to feed people. It's it's no longer trying to figure out how much you know uh, dropping to the bottom line so we can uh, you know improve. Uh, for our stockholders, uh, X, Y, and Z. Of course, we want people to be successful financially. You have to have, you know, you have to make things work. You have to cross the T's and the I's. But the underlying premise for really what represents our company, Planet Based Foods, is we want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. We want to make a difference informationally, showing people the viability of hemp in the marketplace. And we want to make a difference in actually helping people that are in need. And so that's really our focus. And, uh, you know, we're not into bleeding burgers. We're not into, you know, a, a lot of things that the other companies are really focused on. Mm-hmm. Did you did, did it take did, did did you have to put a lot of time into making that decision of not providing bleeding burgers? Again, if you're getting into the market of replacing meat. It seems like the natural way to go would be to make something that looks like meat, smells like meat, tastes like meat, uh, and you can brag, hey, but it's not meat. Uh, It seems like that would be the natural way to go. You're not going that way. So did you pivot from that? And and, and if you did, what made you decide to pivot? Well, the pivot is uh, about 30 years ago, you know, Mm. for me. Mm -hmm. If I if I were just uh, going into the marketplace and had no information or no knowledge, of anything historically in this category, mm-hmm. you're correct. That would be like, oh, well, let's replace meat. Mm-hmm. But I've done that. This has been done in 1990, early 1990s. That's when I was looking to replace meat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole market, in my opinion, and the consciousness behind the marketplace is evolving. The millennials are looking for something more than a uh, tit-for-tat replacement mm-hmm. of something that doesn't quite meet the standard of what it's trying to replace. Mm-hmm and something that's got an ethos behind it that has has some integrity and represents sustainability and that's our future that's our future mm-hmm. yeah you're, you're you're not making foods technically for people in their 50s and 60s who are used to those greasy burgers running down and they're the ones that are going to look at a this is not a burger this is not what i'm used to but but that's not your market no, it's not. But but those people we invite along completely because once they taste it, they'll go, this is great. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, this is, this is a great tasting product. Mm-hmm. And the sausage is a great tasting sausage product. But it's, it's, you know, we're not looking to put the meat notes in the product and have it, have it taste like a, a, a grilled burger mm-hmm. or whatever everyone's, you know, attempting to do with their products or make sure it looks rosy red artificially mm-hmm. uh, in the case so that it goes, oh, that kind of looks like meat. No, no, no. Ours, ours is a hemp-based product, and we're proud of it. Mm-hmm. So, Robert, where do you see the future of hemp? Obviously, we're going in the right direction. We talked about earlier on the possibility of of, uh, of hemp replacing some of the uh, soybean production. Again, is that something farmers should be looking at to to diversify, and is that the reason they should start experimenting with hemp? Absolutely. Hemp Absolutely. They should start looking at the efficiency and what's required as far as the growth parameters 
for him. You know, what kind of savings they can have without having to put herbicides and pesticides on their crops. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, basically the climate differential that's going to come into play as it is right now. It's it's serious stuff. And, And, uh, you know, this is this is really the the essence of, I think, uh, uh, an awakened or an alert uh, farming situation or farming group has to really assess a five-year plan and look and say, okay, where, where could hemp fit into my program? And, um, you know, I think they'll be surprised if they look at our website. We've got a lot of information that would probably be very helpful for them making some determinations as far as uh, exactly the benefits of growing hemp versus other proteins. And as we see a lot of the, uh, the, the the family farms gobbled up by by corporate farms, do you see those corporate um, uh, entities grasping hemp, or is this going to be more of the entrepreneurial independent farmers that that are going to lead the way? Do you think? Well, I think it'll come the way the natural the whole food industry is gone. If you see somebody making a dollar, somebody's going to come after it. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think what is it three, four, five major Major companies own like 80% of the uh, of the food companies in the United States. Mm-hmm. Huge, mm-hmm. huge situation. And, you know, as long as there's money to be made, um, it, it, it can't be done qualitatively. Um, is there a new look at farming that uh, can allow the entrepreneur to come in and make money? It's, uh, it's a challenging time. I know several people in New Mexico that are attempting to uh, you know, grow different types of foods and so forth and really kind of revisit the concept of the entrepreneurial farm. And it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because you've got corporate systems that are much more efficient mm-hmm. in providing, you know, basic commodities. So how do you compete with that? Well, it can be competed as how many people are willing to go to farmer's markets and sure. buy their produce mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus go to Safeway, bless their heart and you know, whoever else is out there, Albertsons and so forth and so on. Sure. So that's that, that it, it, it's it's kind of takes a, it's a team team effort here. But you've got to have the pull through of the marketplace to support to support the entrepreneurial efforts. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know if that's in place at this point. But uh, you certainly see a lot more uh type of farmers markets in various cities and communities around the United States. But I don't know if people are actually making a qualified living at Mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent information. Robert Davis, co-founder Planet-Based Foods. Robert, how can people get more information about you, contact you, get information about uh, Planet-Based Foods? Well, the website, again, is... uh, uh, very, very informative, uh, planetbasedfoods.com. So that's uh, really the place to start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I love uh, the headline right at the top, we make real food, not fake meat. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And again, yeah, yeah, just, just to be honoring of the other companies that are out there, the Impossibles and the Beyond Meats and so forth, I, I'm sure these people are well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. I, I have no reason to believe they're not. But, mm-hmm. but certainly, uh, you know, funded uh, by, if you track who, who, who's got money in them, I, I think it would probably turn a few heads. Mm. But it's, uh, it's a matter of discretionary 
focus right now on behalf of the consumer. And uh, we just hope, you know, everybody gets healthier and healthier and, and makes uh, optimum decisions for, the, for themselves, their family and the community in which they find themselves with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really what, what we're pitching. There we go. Planetbasedfoods.com. That's where you can find them. Robert Davis. Robert, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You've given us a lot of great information, and hopefully we can get you back on here soon. That's exciting, Jason. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your effort, efforts. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, please let me know when you, uh, when you try some tofu. How, how it went down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, now I'm going to have to. I mean, I, I'm just I'm going to have to. Where and, and where would I go look for that? Where would I find well, tofu I would in Indiana? Good, I would go, you know, and I, it's you know, I was I was uh, in Indianapolis. That's where I went to high school. So I. Oh really? And uh, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I, I didn't know that. That's I, I guess born, I didn't do my research well enough. <laughs> born in Muncie. Born in Muncie, and uh, ah, I went yeah. to Ball so State. Anyway, so there uh, we go. Been through Muncie many, many times. That's right. So I, I would go to a, a, a really good Japanese restaurant, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, just kind of peruse their menu and see see what what kind of um, what kind of tofu they have available and how they're preparing it. Hmm. So that that would be a, that would certainly be a, an excellent start. I mean, my suggestion would be to to go buy some tofu, mm-hmm. um, medium firm tofu, put it in the freezer, <clears throat> and then freeze it, take it out, reconstitute it. In some soy sauce water, you know, boil it, squeeze it between two plates, and then pan fry it and put some barbecue sauce on it, and I think you would be a, a believer. You would wow. be a believer. Sounds like but I just need to go to the restaurant. That would be easier for there, me. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. All right. Excellent. Well, great. Robert, thank you so much. I'll let you go, but, uh, again, we do want to get you back on here because we've got some more we want to talk to you about. Very cool. All right, Jason. Take care now. All right. Thank you. All right, and that's going to do it for our show this month. We certainly do appreciate you tuning in and checking it out. During the summer months, we are doing the Midwest Hemp Council podcast just once a month, but we will kick back up to weekly shortly. We do appreciate you tuning in and checking it out, and make sure and please tell a friend about the Midwest Hemp Council podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier. That's going to do it for this episode, and we'll see you on the next one. So long, everybody.